0: Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword New Song.
1: And now, check out our message of the week. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Let's do that. Get out your sermon notes. Uh, We're starting a brand new series today called Rethinking Church. Rethinking Church. And the question that I have for you that I'm going to pose at the beginning of this series, it's a three-week series that we're going through. And uh, the the question I want to pose before we go any further in this thing is this. Is church what you think it is? Is it what you think it is? And, and um, we're going to rethink church. We're going to rethink what most people think about church. And you're going to be challenged in this. And I want to, I want to share with you um, uh, some, some things that are going to be vital. Let me say it this way. I'm going to share with you some things today that are going to be vital to the success of this church. Like God builds the church. We know that. But who does he use to build his church? Everybody raise your hand. Oh, okay, everybody, raise your hand. Who does he use? He uses us. He uses us to build his church. God does. God does the work. He does the drawing. He he's the one that sends a spirit out into the hearts and lives of people and draws them to himself. But let, let me tell you this new song. You've heard it before. I've heard it before. That that as far as reaching this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are Plan A. And there is no plan B. Like the church, the church, we have been called to go and make disciples. We are plan A, and there is no plan B. And I want you to rethink what you think church is all about. And, and I, want, I want you, at the, at the end of the series, I'm going to tell you what we're talking about in this series. I want you, at the end of the series, to be truly grateful what, for what God has done in your life, and, and to be truly grateful that you have the opportunity to get your hands dirty in ministry. That's what this is about. And I'm going to teach that to you starting today. Let's go look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 is where we're going to start. A very famous portion of scripture, and I'm going to describe this to you as best I can. Matthew nine thirty-five. Jesus went through all of the towns and the villages teaching in their synagogues. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Uh, one of the writers says, hey, Jesus did so many miracles, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain all of the miracles that were done by Jesus. Like, can you imagine Jesus coming into Plymouth and every single nursing facility is emptied? Like, the hospital is Emptied. Could you imagine that, everybody? The Bible says that Jesus went to towns and villages, and everyone who was sick, who was afflicted, they received deliverance. Isn't that amazing, everybody? That's how big Jesus is. So if you're going through something, can I tell you, Jesus, He loves you, and He's going to do the miraculous on your behalf. He is going to touch you. He, He loves to deliver His people. God loves to deliver His people. And so call upon the Lord. When he hears you, the Bible says, when you call upon him, he hears you and he delivers you. That's, that's the Bible speaking, not Justin. So my question is, are you going to believe that or not? Well, as for me, I'm going to believe that. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to call upon the Lord so I can see his deliverance in my life. So every disease and every sickness was healed. Verse 36, and when Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I'm gonna stop right there and tell you, when, when my wife and I came to Plymouth and we were really praying about, God, tell us who's in this town. Tell us who is here. Like, Tell us how we can reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, Tell us who Plymouth is, and, and then we're gonna target those needs. And, and I was reading through the Bible one day after praying this and came across the Scripture, and, and the Lord just stopped me and he said, that's Plymouth. They are harassed and helpless, harassed and helpless. And, and I knew at that moment that Jesus was calling me to make a difference. Um, and in fact, that's why the longstanding motto of our church has been real hope and real help, because they are harassed and helpless. Have you ever noticed that? Real hope, Real help, that's in contrast to being harassed and helpless. And God talked to me about that and said, hey, listen, I want you to focus on people who are harassed and helpless. And I knew, I knew according to this verse, I had to be a person of compassion. And that's what we're talking about today. So he says they are like sheep without a shepherd, but now he's gonna change the analogy around. Watch this, everybody. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, he doesn't say that the sheep are, are plentiful. No, he says the harvest. So that he was talking about sheep who were harassed to helpless, but now he's talking about a harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Everybody say workers are few. The workers are few. The workers are few. The harvest is there, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Okay, so this is so interesting to me. Uh, Jesus is looking at his disciples, and he says, hey, look at the fields. They're, they're, They're white unto harvest. I mean, look, 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 look. There's people who are ready to be harvested, brought into the kingdom of God. Let's say it like that. They're ready to be brought into the kingdom of God. But look around, guys. Hey, look around. Where are all the workers at? Oh, not many around, are there? And the disciples would be saying, Oh, yeah, actually right now there's only 12 of us. Yeah, the, the workers are few. And then he could have looked at his disciples and he could have said, Hey, 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 hey. Why are you standing here for? Get out there. That's not what he said. Now, it doesn't mean he won't say that later. But in the moment, that's not what he said. In the moment, he said... Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, to send out workers. Meaning, uh, you need to go to God about this. Now, Now, listen to what I'm saying. You need to go to God about this. That's why we have twice a year, 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's why we have... The seasons of concentrated prayer. That's why we have worship and prayer events, because Jesus, teaching his disciples, said, yeah, it's important to go, and no doubt you're going to go, but before you go, you need to stop and talk to God about it. God, we need some laborers. How many know that the church in America needs some laborers to go out and reap a harvest for the Lord? Okay, so there's there's a lot of people that are attending churches across America, but how many of them are actually going out into the fields and bringing people into the kingdom of God? Not very many. In fact, let me challenge you. When was the last time that you played a part in somebody coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Like they came to know Jesus as a direct result of your invitation, of your testimony, of your prayer life, of you saying, hey, would you like to pray right now? Like when was the last time that you had a direct line with somebody who gave their life to Jesus Christ? You know, my wife was challenged a long time ago and she loves to tell this story. She was challenged a long time ago when she was going to church that, uh, you know, hey, let, what, what if we all just pray for one? What if we all just lead one person to Jesus this year? But New Song, let me say it this way. If every single one of us led somebody to Jesus this year, by this time next year, we would be a church of 1,400 people. Let that sink in. And, and, and I'm not saying that for the glory of New Song. I'm saying that for the glory of Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Like like literally, literally, if, if just all of New Song won one person to Jesus in the next year, surely we could do that. Surely we could invest our life into one person. Then this church would grow to 1,400 people. And then what if those 1,400 people just made a decision to, to lead one person to Jesus the year after that? Well, this church would be 2,800 people. Do you see how this thing could boom? See, see the, problem isn't, the problem isn't that we don't have what it takes. The problem isn't that we don't have the people that are necessary to do such a thing. The problem is that we don't have, we don't have very many people in the church of America looking into the fields. They, they, they love eating the bread, but they don't like harvesting. Come on, everybody. You love to sit down at the table, but do you love to go out and work? That's what we're talking about today. How many know you're going to be challenged in this series? All right, good, 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 because you are. Number one, write this down. You know this to be true. I've said this before. God wants me to contribute and not just consume. God wants you to contribute and not just consume. That's why we're talking about rethinking church. Because there, there are a lot of people in the Church of America today that go to church and their, their goal is not to contribute, their goal is just to consume. In fact, let me tell you a couple of examples about this. If you go around telling people about our church and how good our church is and, and all the things that our, our church does, you're like, man, um, you, you know, New Song is just a great church. Um, they run a soup kitchen and... Uh, the the pastor and his wife, they really truly love people and you're going to be encouraged when you leave and they have a a great worship leader and they have great kids' ministries and they they have a youth ministry that's thriving and, you know, so you're talking to people about the church and you're saying, well, they do this and they do that and they do that and they do that. Guess what you are? You're a consumer, not a contributor, because if you're a contributor, you're gonna say, oh man, we love New Song, or you're gonna love New Song because we have a soup kitchen, we have great ministries available, we have, we enjoy, God is doing this for us, you see the difference? See, a lot of people go to church and they're like, hey, hey, our church is great, they, 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 instead of, hey, our church is great because we, we, we. You see, you see what I'm saying? Like God has not called you just to consume. Now, do you need to be fed? Absolutely. If you didn't need to be fed, I wouldn't be up here every week doing what I'm doing. I, I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be studying the, the way that I study for Sunday mornings if you didn't need to be fed. I, I have no problem with people coming to church and saying, hey, I'm hungry for the word of God. Teach me the word of God. I'm hungry for the presence of God. Let's worship the Lord together. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But if you come to church with only a consumer mentality... You need to pray that God would give you eyes to see the harvest. You need to pray about that. God, I'm consuming, but I'm not contributing. Let me give you some, a better example of that. Now, you know last week, if you were here last week, we had uh, the five levels of participation. I told you I would give you the results about that this morning, I'm gonna do that right now. The five levels of participation in the church, the, the first one, of course, was somebody who's just totally disengaged. They are just disengaged. They have no interest whatsoever. Out of all of the people that attend New Song, that number is 4%. That, that's a pretty high number, 4%. And by the way, I am not bothered by that at all. I wish it was far greater than that. I, I, I wish it was 20%. Because if people are here saying, you know what, I have no interest in Jesus, but I'm here anyway. How many know God can do something in a moment like that? God can do something like that. Then, Then the next number was desires, people who really... I mean, they have a desire to follow Jesus, but they've never made a real, true commitment, or maybe they've they've prayed the prayer, but they're not really involved, they're not really serving, they're not really growing, they're not really praying, they're not really reading their Bible, they're not really witnessing to people, like the desire is there, but there's been no follow-through. Everybody, listen to this, the number for that is 21%. 21% of new song. Just have a desire, but have never gone the distance with it. The next one, dedicated, meaning, okay, I've gone past desire, I'm, I'm dedicated, I, I, I love the things of God, and I'm not going to go backwards, but I still have some secret sins, I've never really taken off the mask, I, I don't really give generously and joyfully to the work of Christ, like I'm not giving tithes and offerings, I might be the guy that just throws a $20 bill in the offering every week, I, you know, I'm, I'm a consumer, I'm not really a contributor that, that dedicated those, that, that number here at New Song is 44%. 44%. The, the disciples, the, the ones who are just, who are really followers of Christ, they're not going back, they're, they're faithful in small group ministry, they're faithful in giving tithes and offerings, they're, they're probably working, uh, you know, on, on Sunday mornings they're kind of serving their church body and they're doing their best, but if you were to ask them, do you know your real purpose in life? and are you living that to the fullest they would say you know i'm doing my best but nah, i'm not really totally there yet i'm still i've still some questions about what i'm really called to do and in the meantime i'm just serving that number is 20 uh 22% 22% and then the doer this is the one who who does all of those things but also knows his or her purpose and is living it out i mean laying down anything that would keep them from living out the purpose that God has for their life. They've discovered it, they know it, they're serving in it, and everything else takes second place to doing the will of God. The doer in the church is 8%. 8%. Now, let let me break this down for you as it applies to being a consumer and not a contributor. You ready for this? Out of those who just have the desire, out of those who just have the desire and, and those who are dedicated, like, okay, I'm not going back, but I have these secret sins, I'm not really faithful in giving, I'm not really faithful in serving, I'm not really faithful in witnessing. Yeah, I pray every now and then, but I don't pray enough. I read every now and then, but I, don't, I definitely don't read enough. I'm not really faithful in, in devotions like I know I should be. I'm not really faithful in prayer like I know I should be. If you just take those two categories, new song, out of everybody that's here today, 65% would be in that, those two categories, one of those two categories. How many know that we have some growing to do? We, okay, let me say that again. How many know that we have some growing to do? 65%. There are at least 65% who like, you need to know that God is calling you to the next level. He's calling you to, to something deeper, something more rich. He's calling you to intimacy with him, to real true commitment in him. He's calling you to give to give not only of your treasures, but your, your time and your talents, and to do that joyfully, to lay down your life for the, for the sake of the gospel. Like he's calling 65% of our church, in fact, all of us, but 65% of our church you need to be challenged in this area. Like, go deeper. Do, do you not have regular time with God? Well, make time. Do, do you not really regularly read your Bible? Well, then make time and do it. And if you say, well, I don't even know where to start, we'll we'll talk to us and we'll help you. We'll give you resources. We'll give you ideas. We'll help you out as best we can. But I'm challenging you, New Song. And I, I really believe the spirit of the Lord is challenging all of us. Let's not just be consumers. Let's be contributors because if we all contribute this town will be turned upside down with the good news of Jesus Christ so to do that you say okay I'm ready for that I'm ready to to take the challenge I'm ready to start contributing I'm ready to start investing in people I'm ready to start learning my purpose and serving somewhere where do I start first well the the Bible says pray we'll pray for what the thing that I would tell you to do is go back to this portion of Scripture, learn from Jesus who saw the crowds and had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So my question for you today then is, do you have compassion? And I've told you that story. In fact, even last week, I told you a story out. I just, I just become desensitized to everybody's problems, like my phone was ringing all the time, and hey, I've got this going on, and I've got this going on, and it's bad, and it's bad, and it's bad, and it's bad, and it's bad. And, and when people were talking to me, like, oh, okay, well, you know, I, yeah, I, I hear you, I got, yeah, you're not the only one, yep, no, nope. yep, there's lots of people dealing with that. And I lost my compassion for people, and I prayed, I said, God, I need compassion, I have lost it. and And God overwhelmed me with compassion, I mean, he just... Like, I have it again, everybody. I, I have compassion in my life. Let me tell you what compassion is. In fact, number two, you can write that down. To do that, you've got to possess compassion. I mean, compassion is, an, is a must. Compassion in the Greek means this, to be moved. It, it literally means this, to be moved in one's stomach with pity. Like, like when you see somebody, you're truly grieved at what they're going through. Like something inside of you says, oh, that's not right. Oh, compassion. To be, to be moved in one's stomach, like, like so moved that you feel it physically. To be so moved in, with pity, with, with, with wanting to help, with the pain that they're going through. To be so moved that you feel it Physically. When was the last time that that's happened for you? Now, I told you that story, and it goes to prove, I've told you the story before, that when I prayed for compassion, I would literally, in fact, within a day or two, I was at McDonald's, and this family came in, and, and I just started to cry. I mean, I was moved physically. And that, that's a pretty good sign that, that the spirit of compassion has come upon you. When you start crying for somebody that you don't, you don't even know, it's just that the spirit of God showed me what was happening in their life, and I was moved. I had never seen them before, but I was moved. I'm talking about compassion that comes from God, godly compassion. Number three, write this down. That my need, the need that we have today, my need, your need, is to feel compassion because of their need. My need is to feel compassion because of their need, that's what God is calling me to. When I say, hey, let's pray for compassion together, what it means is I have the need in my life to feel compassion because of someone else's need. I have that need. Uh, Tommy Barnett, one of my favorite pastors in all of, of America, Pastor Tom, Tommy Barnett, that guy, guy's a maniac for Jesus. Uh, Pastor Tommy Barnett, he he. Preaches the sermon. And he writes it in his books. The need that I need, the need that I need. Like you say, well, I don't, I, I don't want to have any needs. Jesus said He's going to supply all of my needs. Well, I'm not talking about those needs. I'm talking about the need that you need. That when you see somebody else who's in pain, who's suffering, who's down and out, who who has no hope, they're they're helpless, they're harassed. That. That we get to the point, loving Jesus so much, being so full of the Holy Spirit, that we see their need, that, we, that we're sympathetic and empathetic towards their need, their need. How do we do that? Number four, write this down. You need to know this, then compassion is a work of grace in our hearts, not from works, but from Prayer. I'm going to say it like this, everybody. If you're truly to have godly passion, then compassion must come from God. If you're truly to have godly compassion for somebody else, then godly compassion obviously has to come from God. Like, let me say it this way. You don't have the ability in yourself to develop your own compassion for somebody else. You don't have that ability. You don't have the ability to will compassion inside of you. You don't have that. So what do we do? We've got to pray. That's why Jesus looks at his disciples and says, hey, hey guys, look at the harvest. It, it, it's, it's white into harvest, but there are no laborers. Ask the Father. Ask the Father to give laborers, to, to produce laborers. Why? Because it has to come from God. It has to come from God. You don't have the power to, to produce compassion. How many know we need to pray more? We need to seek the Lord about this. Like we need to cry out to God, God, give me compassion for others. Let me prove this to you in scripture, that it is a work of grace and it comes from prayer. Luke 18, verse 24, Jesus looked at him and he said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So I want you to hold that thought right there. They're like, hey, if that's the case, who can be saved? Like, who can be saved? And he says, well, before we talk about that, let's talk about the bigness of God. You see, you see what he's saying? Hey, before I answer that question, I want to talk about the bigness of God, that nothing is impossible with him. Like, what's impossible for man is never impossible for God. We're going to come back to that in a second. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 1, 7 and 8. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But watch this, you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So when will you be a witness? Let me say it this way. When are you going to be a harvester? When are you going to be a laborer for the Lord? Let me me answer that for you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Listen, everybody, you can't do that on your own. You can't do that on it. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? Okay, let's look at the next one, Philippians 2, 1 and 3. Therefore, if, any, if, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, watch this, everybody, if any common, common, as in multiple people, if any common sharing in the Spirit. How many know that the Spirit of the Lord is in this room right now? And how many know the Spirit of the Lord? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Lord resides in you. How many know that? Okay, so we have have a common sharing in the Spirit. If any tenderness, and what's that word? And compassion. Why do we have tenderness and compassion? Could it be a result of the Holy Spirit being in us? Come on, everybody. There it is. Then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, watch everybody in humility, value others above yourself. So, how do you get to the point that you value somebody else above yourself? It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. It has to. That's why we have to spend more time in prayer. That's why we have to invite God in every single day. And I'm not saying, you know, every single day, inviting God in like, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're in the presence of God in your prayer closet and you say, Father, I want all of you. I want all that you have for me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Because I want to be the man and the woman that you've called me to be. I want to be the person that you've called me to be. And I know I need you. And I know that the compassion that I'm going to have in life comes only from you. And I know that if I don't have you, it's going to be impossible for me to do anything for your glory. But with you, God, nothing is impossible. With you, God, I'm going to see people delivered. I'm going to see people saved. I'm going to see people come into the kingdom of God as you use me as a laborer. You're like, well, well Pastor, that, that's going to be a lot of work. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It is. Pastor, that's going to be inconvenient. Yeah. Yes, it is. And if you have those thoughts, like, Pastor, that, that's going to stretch me. I'm going to have to talk to people, but I'm I'm an introvert. That's going to stretch me. If you're having those thoughts, can I tell you it's proof that you need more of God? Is There is a place in the Bible where Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, you're going to get in some situations. You're not going to know what to say, but don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you're going to speak exactly what the Holy Spirit tells you to speak. How many know we need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives? We need to pray. We need to pray for compassion. We need to pray for an infilling. We need to pray for the presence of God. We need to think about this thing, everybody, and make a decision. I'm not going to just consume. I am going to... Contribute, and it is a work of grace that comes through prayer. It's one of the reasons you need to be here tonight. It is a work of grace that comes through prayer, that we have compassion on others. Let me share this with you. Number five, write this down. Because this this is how I kind of wanted to end it today that my investment then determines my result. My investments determine my results. Okay, let me say this. Let me say this. You know this to be true. Um, If you invest in something with a good future, you're going to get a return on that. Um, I, I was reminded of somebody that, friends of ours here in town, that a long, long time ago they had made an investment into a phone company and they'd forgot all about it. And then all of a sudden, they were contacted, and they said, oh, by the way, do you remember that you invested in in this? They said, you know what? Vaguely, and they had to go through all their documents, said, oh, yeah, sure enough, we did. True story. They said, by the way, your your investment now, and I forget the exact number, but it was well over $100,000 that that had grown to. And they were able to buy a house and pay cash for it because of that investment. See, what you what you invest in determines the result that you get. And if you're not getting any results, could it be that you're not making the right investment? Where do we invest first? We invest in our relationship with God. We invest in prayer. We invest in in inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives. That's where we make the first investment. And we will get a return on that, because my investments determine my results. That's it's true, everybody. The Bible says it this way: that when you sow into something, you're going to reap it. If you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. But if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. How many know that's just a truth? Not not only in the biblical world and in, in the Christian world, but even in the non-Christian world, that's still a truth. What you, what you sow is what you're going to reap. Second Corinthians nine six says, "Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly." Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. John 12, 1 and 3. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor and Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and watch this everybody and the whole house the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume i'm going to say it like this she made an investment how much was that perfume worth worth most theologians say at, at least a year's salary some would say closer to two but she, she poured, so let's say that the average person makes $50,000 a year. Could you imagine taking a $50,000 bottle of perfume and pouring it on the feet of Jesus? But And you'd say, wow, I don't know if I could do that. Well, there's somebody in the Bible that did. And by the way, Jesus honored it. And second of all, the fragrance filled the entire house. Let, let me say it this way. The entire home Benefited from the investment that she made. <laughs> oh, you just, Selah. Let's just pause and think calmly about that. The entire home, the entire house benefited from the investment that she made. New song, could it be? that this entire community of faith, that New Song Community Church would benefit, that all of us would benefit from the investment that you make in what? First of all, being in the presence of the Lord and praying. Oh God, fill me. Oh God, give me compassion. I've lost compassion. Oh God, help me see the needs of others. And help me make a difference for the glory of your name. And if you make that investment and then you live it out as a laborer for the Lord, could it be that all of us get to enjoy the fragrance of that? That all of us get to see the result of your investment. And we all, the Bible says in places that, then we all get to praise God together, like in one accord at unity, praising God together for your willingness to have compassion on somebody else. What we need to do, everybody, is we need to move from sympathy to empathy. To to be sympathetic, if somebody were to pass, and let's say that you have a coworker, and they pass away, you write a letter to the family, a sympathy card, and you say, "I, I know you're in pain, I am too. I'm praying for you today. Sympathy is when both of you feel it. when when we both have I know what you're going through I'm going through it too empathy is different empathy is the, the, the capacity to put yourself in the shoes of someone else even when you don't feel a thing you decide to put yourself in their shoes to realize what's going on around them what they're dealing with and all of a sudden it hits you oh I didn't know I didn't know. I'm sorry, I didn't know. Have you ever had that conversation with somebody? When they explained to you what their life has been like, and for a while you were sympathetic, but all of a sudden they told you exactly what they were going through, and even though you've never gone through that before, you look at them and say, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know you were feeling that way. I didn't, I didn't know. All of a sudden now you're empathetic because you've decided to look at their situation, not from your angle, but from their angle. And can I tell you a new song? A lot of times, like we were saying last week, somebody comes up and says, hey, we're going through this, could you pray? And you're sympathetic, you say, yeah, I'll pray. But can I tell you to go past that? Go to the point of empathy, to say, well, what would it be like if that were me? So you know what I do? This is true, this is true. I I teach my staff this. I haven't said this to them for a while, but they're hearing it today. I've told them, when somebody comes and they give us a bad report, one of the best things that you could do, if they say, hey, hey, listen, pray for my child. My child is just rebelling against the things of God. And a lot of times it's so easy to be sympathetic, like, oh yeah, that's got to stink, I'll pray for you. No, let's go past that. What if we went to the point to say, what would that feel like if that, were, if that were my child? What would I pray like if that were my child? And then pray accordingly. Think about it first. Have empathy. Put yourself in their shoes. So there's some people in this town that are harassed. They're helpless, lots of them. In fact, can I say this? Thousands of them that are harassed and helpless, and they need they need a man and woman of God to rise up with compassion in their hearts, being full of the Holy Spirit, willing to make a difference. They need, so, they need a church to rise up and say, I won't just be a consumer. No, I'm going to be a contributor for the glory of, of Jesus Christ, my Savior. I'm going I'm to live my life for somebody else. So why did you come to church this morning? Was it, was it just to receive? Or were you ready to give? And I think there should be a mixture of both. God, I'm hungry for more of you, so fill me. I'm hungry for your word, so teach me. But also, God, show me what I need to do so I can live for the glory of your name. If you receive the word of the Lord today, could you say amen? Let's close our eyes. Bow our heads in prayer. Jesus, I repent. I've not always shown compassion. I- I've not always been empathetic, sometimes not even sympathetic. And I know I'm called to walk like Jesus walked. I- I'm meant to be an imitator of Christ. And I'm reminded today of the compassion of Jesus. That he saw people the way they really were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, I'm asking. Father, I'm asking. Holy Spirit, I'm asking. Let me see people the way that you see people. Give me compassion. I need more of it in my life if I'm gonna live for the glory of your name if I'm gonna lay down my desires that are that are self-serving and and decide to live for your glory to live for your fame to live for the benefit of others God I know I need compassion in my life so help me I pray fill me I pray, Father, with your precious spirit because i want to be the person you called me to be. I want to grow in the faith. I want to mature in the faith. I don't want to just consume. Father, I want to contribute. So show me the needs. Show me what people are going through. Give me a heart of compassion and empathy so that I could serve others in your name. And may you be glorified in me and through me at all times, I pray. In Jesus' name.
0: As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.